0: Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit HelloFreedomChurch.com. So, we get a, uh, a special treat this morning. As you may know, if you've been around Freedom Church for any length of time, you've heard the words Chi Alpha. Chi Alpha. We have a wonderful partnership and relationship with uh, the college ministry at UND here called Chi Alpha. And so this morning, we're going to be blessed with a message from their, the new director, director Judah Negron, who has moved into this role as of late, yeah, amen. He's been a part of UND Chi Alpha for many years, been on internship and on staff for years at, the, at Chi Alpha here, and his wife, May, as well, been through just the UND Chi Alpha ranks, and we're so excited to have him share with you and to speak, so why don't you give me a free, help me welcome Judah Negron this morning? man brother. You Thank you, bro.
1: <laughs> All right,
0: awesome. Uh, I am Judah. What a reception! Um, so yeah, I am the I am the director of Kai Alpha. First year, I've been in ministry for uh, five years now, and I was in UND Kai Alpha as a student for four years. So I love Kai Alpha. I love Jesus. Um, but if you're in this room, maybe it's your first time hearing like the words Chi Alpha. You might be wondering, is okay, is this a Christian frat? Is this a Christian sorority I can get involved in? What is this? Uh, no, it is not Chi Alpha. Um, it is more than just UND Chi Alpha right here uh, in Grand Forks. Chi Alpha is a whole national movement. It's a campus ministry. It's actually in 276 campuses in the USA, and there's also more around the world. Um, and so Chi Alpha is a, is a nationwide, worldwide movement, uh, a campus ministry, just focusing on how can we reach college students for Jesus. And we get the name. We didn't just like, okay, let's try to like rush week and get people to come to Chi Alpha because they get confused and think it's a frat. No, there's a, there's a reason it's called Chi Alpha. It comes from 2 Corinthians 5.20. Um, if you want to put that, that on the screen, Colin, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So in the Greek, Christ Ambassadors or Christ Ambassador is Christo Apostoli, which we shorten the, the letters of that to Chi and Alpha or XA because, yeah, in the original Greek, it's, it's Christo Apostoli. So XA, Chi Alpha. That is why we're called Chi Alpha. Um, we're not trying to deceive people to, to think of him, we're a frat. Um, so that's where we get it in our again what we do in Chi Alpha is we reconcile students to Christ and we're teaching college students how can we be an ambassador to Christ on the college campus and be a light uh, there so that's like what Chi Alpha does on a large scale but now let's break it down UND Ky Alpha we have a Ky Alpha here at the University of North Dakota and Grand, in Grand Forks um, and we love it and uh you know I I don't run this thing alone. Yes, I'm the director, but I have an incredible team. If you want to put those people on the, can we just give it up? It's kind of, okay, it's really blurry, but all right. But You know, you know, for security purposes, we can't show their faces fully. Okay. Uh, okay, anyways, but, but this is my incredible team uh, of people that uh, I can't do without them. First-year interns, Ben and Trenton on the ends, and then Lauren, Paul, David, myself, Cassie, Kaylee, um... We, we run this thing along with our small group leaders. If you're a small group leader in Caiapha, can you stand up? Actually, yeah. Can we get the small group leaders to stand up? Yes, give them a hand. These, these students, uh, you guys can sit down. Love you guys. Um, these students really deeply love Jesus and love people, and they are really, I, I like to call them the heroes of Chi Alpha. They are the engine of the ministry. We can't reach college students without them because I'm not, I'm not in classes anymore. I graduated many years ago, so I don't rub shoulders with students as much as I did when I was a student, and so these students have said yes to the call in Matthew 20 and 19 of go therefore and make disciples Of all nations they're making disciples of their classmates and loving people on campus and bringing people to Jesus Um, and I just get to be a part of of helping them do that Um, and so UND Chi Alpha just to give you a context of who we are and what we do um, we have we have about 240 students involved uh, on campus and uh, we actually had a barbecue this past Friday that probably had like 300 400 people it was it was popping like it was a it it was huge Um, and so um, but we, you, you know, we do our large group services, and, and, and that's awesome, 240 students are so coming to that, but really, the heartbeat of UND Chi Alpha is small groups, okay, small groups, because we really value discipleship in Chi Alpha, that, that is what we run on, because uh, I, I think it's really easy to, to say, yeah, we did a really awesome thing, and we get 240 seats you know, or uh, 240 butts in seats, and then be like, yes, we're doing good. But really, they're not connected to Jesus. They're just kind of coming and going and then doing whatever the heck they want uh, for for the rest of the week. And so small groups are so important because it gives students accountability and it gives students like this place where they can come together and actually ask questions. Because like when I'm preaching, um, sorry, this isn't question time, I'm gonna preach at you. But in a small group, you can ask questions if you're confused about a scripture. Um, even just like, it's, uh, it was so powerful for me, the first small group I ever went to, people like prayed over me for one of the first times in my life. And just like, for my issues I was going through and I was like, wow, this is like, I felt the love of God through people in Chi Alpha, and so um, just, to, just so you guys can get to know me a little bit more um, until we start to maybe talking about what I want to talk about, which is discipleship, um, really, I, I did give my life to Jesus through Chi Alpha. As a freshman in college in 2015, I came uh, to Chi Alpha, and I didn't want anything to do with Jesus, or campus ministry. I wanted to, uh, you know, to have the college experience, right? I wanted to go and uh, go drink and do drugs and whatever, like go and party, all, all these types of things. But um, I'm so thankful that my my path crossed with a Christian student named Jake Shetler, and he just showed me the love of Christ, and he showed me that that Jesus is so worth following. And he invited me to a Chi Alpha service where I experienced the presence of God in a service that was so unlike anything I would ever felt before. And I just remember, you know, at that point in my life, I was, I, I was going through a lot. I was, I was depressed. I was really lonely. I didn't have a lot of close friends. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, you know, I, I, I can't do this alone anymore. I need you, Jesus. I need you. And so I gave my life to him. And there's so many students on campus that are in that same place. They're lonely. They're depressed. There's so much, there's so much anxiety, stress with college. They're coming into a new setting. And they're trying to do life on their own strength. They're trying to do life uh, just like, okay, well, this is just how I'm going to do it, and hopefully it works out. But so many students are so lost. And so we see Chi Alpha as just this beacon of hope, this beacon of light on, the, on a very dark place, which is, a, which is the college campus right now in this post-Christian era that we're, that we're living in. Um, and so really, UND Chi Alpha, our heart is to bring the lonely into families, uh, like it says in Scripture. Our heart is to reach the nations is to reach college students and also to disciple them in the way of Jesus so that they know that, oh, like I'm going to go and do that. Like For me, my story was I felt the love of Jesus through an 18-year-old, 19-year-old college student. So then I was like, wait a second, I want to do that for other people too. I want to go and show the love of Jesus just like Jake did to me and my small group leaders did to me. I want to do that for other people. And so it's kind of like this discipleship it's, it's generational, it's year after year after year, more students stepping up and saying yes to Jesus. And so, uh, this morning, I, I do want to talk about discipleship with you guys. Why is discipleship so important? What is discipleship? Um, and I'm, I'm just going to go through a scripture, uh, our theme scripture, our main scripture for today is Matthew 28:19 19 uh, through 20. And so, uh, before I read that, I'd love to just pray with you guys um, and invite the Holy Spirit to be here. Is that Okay. Awesome, so thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for this morning, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would you would speak through me, that you would touch the hearts of every single person sitting here. Uh, Lord, would you just speak through me, and would would it be an incredible time of just getting to know your word in Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty, it says this: Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age, so what I want to talk about today, um, and pull from from this scripture, is just three truths about discipleship, okay, just three truths I see about discipleship, based on this scripture, and then we're going to go through those truths, um, and it's going to be good. So, the first truth I'm seeing, and I promise I'm going to explain all these because it might not make sense off rip. rip, um, but the first one is we're not a bench player. Uh, next is we take people where we've gone, and three is we do it with him. We do discipleship with him. So, number one, we're not a bench player. You got, you're, you're probably thinking, how did you pull that from, from that? <laughs> Please explain that, and I will. Um, so... Uh, First, maybe story time or, or question time. Are there any athletes in the room? Just, just raise your hand high if you're an athlete. What about former athletes? Right here. For, former athletes. Yes. Come on. Retired. Yes. Knees messed up. Just everything. Can't even hardly walk anymore. You're old. Let's go, baby. Um, so uh, for you guys, when you reflect on your time as an athlete or maybe you're an athlete right now, maybe you're a mathlete, whatever, that's awesome too. Um, think to yourself, what was your favorite part about being an athlete? Um, was it the practices? Just reflect to yourself. Was it the practices? Was it the friendships you made? Um, was it the, I don't know, the snacks you got? You know, a little soccer, you get some orange slices and caprice on. Was it the snacks? I don't know. Um, but what was your favorite part of being an athlete? For me, my favorite part of being a former athlete uh, was, was game day, for sure, was actually playing in the game. Like, that is all, like, yes, like, practices are fun, and yes, like, the friends and things are fun, but I love nothing more than just scoring a banger into the top right bins, okay? Like, in, in a soccer game. Yes, let's go, boys. Uh, <laughs> we have a soccer game later today. Because, man, I just love playing soccer. I love actually being in the game. Um, now, by a show of hands, and raise them really high if this is you, was your, if you're an athlete, was your favorite part of being an athlete sitting on the bench, if that was you, raise your hand. Okay, we have, was that your favorite part, Parker? Was that, okay, apparently, okay, Parker, you're, you're different, you're unique, we love you still. Um, <laughs> so, you know, unless you're, sorry, you ruined my illustration, no, I'm just kidding. Um, unless you're Parker, if you're an athlete, you probably don't wanna be sitting on the bench. You probably are actually even maybe frustrated if you're sitting on the bench. I know that was me, right? I, I wanna get in the action, I wanna affect the play, I wanna do something here um and so more like i was never even content with sitting on the bench like oh yeah okay i guess like i can be on the bench this game i was like no i want to get out there baby like let's go i i want to do this thing and so i think oftentimes in the area of discipleship we actually put ourselves on the bench when jesus has clearly subbed us into the game he's like judah i need you bro i need you get in and i'm like nah like i'm i'm okay I'm, I'm good on the bench. Like, uh, like isn't that going to be kind of hard? Isn't, like, maybe, maybe someone's going to tackle me and hurt me, whatever. And I think in the life, in, in our life as a Christian, we put ourselves on the bench in the area of discipleship because for, for maybe a variety of reasons. We're like, well, I just, it seems like a lot of work making disciples. All right, you know, Jesus, I, I don't feel like it today. You know, I don't, have, I don't have the good, I don't have good energy levels. I'm not feeling super good today. I don't want to make disciples. Or maybe even, maybe even it's like a, a valid excuse, maybe some would say, of like, I, I feel like I just don't know enough about God to make a disciple. So I'm just going to like sit on the bench and let like the star players, let, you know, Pastor Jared, star player, like make disciples. And I'm going to be here left bench with, next to Parker. Um... <laughs> And, and, I, and I'm not going to make simple because I don't know how. It's, it's complicated. What does discipleship even mean? That's a big word. Um, and so I think oftentimes in our life, we put ourselves on the bench in discipleship. And so if we want to go back to that scripture in verse 19, um, Matthew 28:19, 19, it says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What I see in scripture is Go. And make disciples of all nations, not go if you feel like it, go if you feel good enough, go because you're having a good day, so I can go make disciples. I'm seeing in Scripture a truth of Scripture go and make disciples. None of us are, none of us even have the option to be on the bench. If I, if I'm subbed in one of my guys into the soccer game and they were like, no, Jude, I don't feel like, I'd be like, I don't care. Get in the game. Like go in the, I'm your coach. I have the, I have authority over you to sub you into the game. So I'm seeing in scripture that Jesus is telling all of us, go and make disciples. It is not like a go if you feel like it. It is a command in scripture that Jesus gives all of us as believers to make disciples. And so a truth of scripture, a truth of scripture I'm seeing here is that none of us are a bench player. We're actually all on the field of play. Every single one of you that's sitting in this seat, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are Jesus' star player. He's like, I want, man, I'm so, it's like, you, I'm going to sub you in and you're going to go and change people's lives because you love me and because you love people. And one thing I, I think that's interesting to note um, is that it is a command over our life to make disciples. Again, it's not something optional. And, we're, and, uh, and you know, in, in this Christian life, there's, there's things called sin. Um, and there's two types of sin, actually. There's sin, uh, the one we're more familiar with is sin of commission. Okay, sin of commission is like, uh, let, right, drunkenness. And then you go and you get drunk. And that would would be a sin of commission. You actually go and do something which is sinful. But then there's actually something called sin of omission. Okay? And sin of omission is you know that you're supposed to do something or Jesus is calling you to do something and you willingly do not do it. Um, And this comes from James 4.17. And it says, I don't think it's on the screen, but just listen to me. You can write it down, James 4.17. It says this, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commit sin. So a sin of omission. Okay? So if you're hearing about discipleship for the first time today, you have not committed sin of omission because you didn't know that this was the right thing to do. You didn't know it was a a universal call on every Christian's life to make disciples. But if you've known this scripture, Matthew 20 and 19 for many, many years, and you just kind of put yourself on the bench, that is a sin of omission and we need to get right with Jesus and say yes to him and get in the game. So a truth of scripture I see is that We're not a bench player. Number two, a truth of discipleship is we take people where we've gone. We take people where we've gone. And I'm getting this right from Matthew 28, 20. The very next verse, it says this. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we take people where we've gone. What has Jesus commanded you to do? what has Jesus commanded us to do as Christians? Well, a lot of things, right? Like the whole Bible, I guess. Like a whole bunch of stuff. So that might seem intimidating, right? Like teach them to do everything that I've commanded you. But I want to encourage you that discipleship is simply taking someone where you've gone. Okay? Discipleship is simply taking someone where you've been before. So if you don't know the whole Bible, if you're not a vocational minister— if the only verse you know is John 3, 16, that's, that's a start. You actually are still going to be effective because all, all you have to do is just take someone where you have been and show them that you can be there too. Let's do that together. And um, I think a scripture that really illustrates this, that discipleship really isn't all that intimidating or you don't need to know as much as you think you need to know, is the story of the woman at the well. Okay, the woman at the well. And it's uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you would like to read it on your own time, I would encourage that. It's John 4, 1 through 42. So if you'd like to read that on your own, it's John 4, 1 through 42. Um, and so I'll just read some portions of it. I'll, so I'll explain the first part of it. So Jesus is on a long journey, and he sits down at a well. Go figure, woman at the well. And there's a woman there, a Samaritan woman. Um, and Jesus asks for water, and they get into conversation. And eventually what happens is the Samaritan, Jesus like, exposes the samaritan woman's like sin like this like imagine there's like a deep dark secret you've never told anyone no way no how then all of a sudden someone sits next to you and like tells you the whole thing you'd probably be pretty like who are you (laughs) who how did you who told you like who is the who's the rat in the whatever um (laughs) so yeah you'd be surprised so the so, so the woman at the well was like who are you and then jesus actually reveals for the very first time in scripture to this woman that he is the messiah that he's the savior of the world, like the one that the, that the Hebrews have been waiting for to come and save them. Um, and so it's a pretty powerful thing and that could be a whole sermon in and of itself. But after that whole exchange of, right, so, so that Samaritan woman knows like, okay, this guy is like, he has power and he is like, he's also gracious and kind because he talked to me as a Samaritan woman and Hebrews hated and were racist to Samaritans. And so he's kind, he's nice, he's powerful. He, and now I know, I have this knowledge that he's the Messiah, that he's the savior of the world. And so then we'll pick up this story here in John 4, uh, 28 through 30. It says this, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Continuing on in John 4, 39 through 41. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, being Jesus, because of the woman's testimony He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed uh, two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. We'll stop there. What I want to highlight for you guys is in John 4, 39. Remember, you just have to bring people where you've gone. That's discipleship. Bring people to where you've been. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, because of the woman's story, about Jesus, who he was, how good he was, how kind he was, how powerful he was. He's the savior of the world. And now you should come and see for yourself. So the Samaritan woman just went to town and told all these people, like Jesus is sitting at the well. You need to meet this guy. He's incredible. He is so awesome. That is all that the Samaritan woman knew about Jesus and the Bible and scripture and the Old Testament and the laws and everything one, but what she did have was an experience with Jesus, and she knew who he was and what she had experienced. And so she was a, not even a day-old believer in Jesus. And she went, and at the end of the story, you can see verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. So she inadvertently led many, many, many people to Jesus through the power of her testimony. And so I want to encourage you today, guys. If you're in this place and you're saying, Well, you know, I, I, I should be on the bench because I just don't know enough. I'm not, I'm, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I didn't go to whatever vocational ministry school, so I, I just can't do it. I want to encourage you if you are a less than day old believer in Jesus, you have something to offer someone. You have something powerful that that other person doesn't have, and that is Jesus. And that is Jesus and, and Him in you. Um, as well as if you are, you know, if you're the went to vocational Bible school and you know all the knowledge you have, you have something to offer people too. You have this knowledge about God that people might not understand. You can explain things, break it down, and so wherever you are in your discipleship journey, all you have to do is take people where you've gone, where you've been before. In discipleship, Jesus is never asking you to take someone, just take someone somewhere you have never been. Okay. Jesus, it, Jesus isn't telling you to explain the Trinity perfectly to someone. Like, right now, go. Do it perfectly or else. Like, <laughs> He's not asking you to do that. But have you felt the love of God in your life? Have you felt the love of Jesus through another Christian? Do you know a couple of scriptures that would encourage someone in a certain situation? He's asking you to do that. Okay? He's not asking. So we make it a little bit more complicated than it is, this thing of discipleship, when really all it is is we take people... Where we've gone. So a truth of discipleship I see in Scripture is, we take people where we've gone. Number three, a, a truth of discipleship I see in Scripture is, we do it with Him. We do discipleship with Him. We do it with Jesus. I'll read that. I'm getting it right from Matthew twenty-eight twenty again. It says this: "And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, uh, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age." Jesus assures his disciples at the end, like, no matter what you're doing, where you are, where you're going, I'm going to be with you. And not just, I'm go- like, I'm going to be with you, like, yay, awesome, but, like, I need to be, like, you need to invite me into everything to be effective. You need to, and, and I, I'm getting this from John 15, 5. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches, right? If you remain in me, me being Jesus, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from Jesus, it says in Scripture, we can do nothing. So if we try, you know, to go whatever, go on campus, go into our workplace, and we try to disciple people on our own strength, with our own wisdom, with our own cunningness and whatever, um, it's not going to work, We need to invite Jesus to be with us every single day of every single second if we wanna be effective in making disciples. And uh, in Chi Alpha, all of our small group leaders know this, but we have these wins of a small group leader. Like if you wanna win in your small group, there's these things that we should do and it's gonna help us be effective in our small group leading and reaching people. And win number one is daily devotion to Jesus. Why is daily devotion to Jesus an effective tool for leading like a small group Bible study, wouldn't you think like good prep preparation and uh, good you know, knowledge of the Bible and really good speaking and communication skills is win number one because you know, then they can't understand you. But no, win number one, it's intentional That's number one because of this verse in John 15, five. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. I'm, not a, I'm totally not effective without Jesus and in inviting the Holy Spirit to come and imbue every single thing that I do. If it's just me deciding I'm going to try to be a good person today and lead someone to Jesus, I'm going to fail straight up. But if I say, Jesus, today I need you. Today, and I, just, I, I don't need you for the end of discipleship. I just need you for every single part of my life because otherwise it's just going to fall apart. I need you, God, in every single area. When we do that, what he does is the byproduct of it is we bear fruit. The byproduct of it is we bear fruit and we make disciples through our life. It's kind of like the starving baker principle, okay? There's a starving baker, um, I guess, analogy. Is because um, we can, you know, we can be around us as, you know, if you have freedom and you go to Kyle off all these things, maybe a small group. You can be around a lot of Christian things, but not actually have any devotion to Jesus. Did you know that? You can actually be around a lot of Christian stuff, but not actually be devoted to Jesus. And the starving baker principle is this. Uh, there was this baker in a town, and he was just, man, he was the best baker, absolutely class in a glass of bread, like, just whipping up sauce. Like, he was so good at baking bread, okay? And so all the, all the people, like, his, he had the mecca of all, like, everyone went to get his bread. Number one baker, he's the best. And so he's making sales up the wazoo. Like, he's baking all this bread and slinging it out. And then a week, like, a week later, a week later uh, people go to the bakery, and, and he's dead. My boy is dead. <laughs> he, he passed away. What happened to him? It's because what he was doing is he was giving away all this bread, but he was never eating any of it himself. How silly is that? He, was, he ran a bakery, but he never took any time to sit down and have some bread himself and have a meal himself. And that's what we can do in this Christian life when we go to Chi Alpha, we go to Freedom Church, We go to small group. We're around all this bread, but really we never sit down with Jesus on our own in our quiet time and we just worship him alone, simply to worship him. We get in the word simply to be devoted to him and love him. We pray simply to know him and to communicate with him to no end, like no means to an end, just to know him. And so we can be around a lot of bread, but sometimes we're not eating ourselves. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in this place, and also, you know, discipleship is seeming intimidating, be with Jesus, abide in him, abide in the vine, and you will bear much fruit. Amen? Amazing. So, to kind of wrap up here, right, our three truths of discipleship are, we're not a bench player, right? The only people that put us on the bench is ourselves. Jesus is the coach. He's calling us and he's like, get in there, Judah. Let's go, baby. Go. Bench player. We're, we're, we're not a bench player. Number two, we take people where we've gone. You don't got to take someone where you haven't been, right? You don't got to explain these crazy, complicated concepts that not even you understand because you, you're not there yet. But take them where you have been. Or have you been a Christian for a day? What do you know? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Let's, let, let's go from there. And then third, we do it with him. We can't do it on our own. We must do it with him. We must abide, and when we abide, we will bear fruit. I just have a few questions for you guys. If you want to bow, bow your heads, close your eyes, just a few things. As we reflect on this, I think it's important when we hear a message like this, right, about truth, about things that are true in Scripture, that, Truth should affect our life and it should it should change us and if we 're living in a way that isn't aligned with god 's truth, what we should do is is, is we should align as we should switch it up align with what is true and so as we're reflecting on this thing of discipleship, I just have a few questions for us to 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 reflect on the first one is this maybe you're in this place and you, you you've known about discipleship for a very long time you know it 's in scripture you know it 's true you know it 's good but you've just been putting yourself on the bench because you felt intimidated. You felt like you don't know enough. You feel like you're not good enough maybe. You're not holy enough or righteous enough to make a disciple. I wanna encourage you today that it is not our righteousness that leads others to Jesus. It's Jesus' righteousness through us that empowers us to lead others to him. And so if that's you and you're in this place and you feel like you're, you've been putting yourself on the bench in discipleship and you wanna say yes to the call and the command, that Jesus is giving, get in the game, go make disciples. If that's you and you'd like to get in the game and make disciples and start to do that today, would you raise your hand if that's you just for me so I can see who I'm praying for? That's the, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a lot of us, thank you, yes, that's a lot of us. You guys can put your hands down, thank you. And maybe you're here and you have been making disciples and you know it's true, you know it's in scripture, you know it's good, but maybe what you have been doing is you've been doing discipleship without abiding in him, without doing it with him. You've been a, around a lot of bread, but you haven't been eating the bread yourself. And you would truthfully reflect and say, I just need to abide more in him. I just need to spend more time in scripture and prayer just to, just to know him and just to love him for no, for no means to an end, just to, just to love him. And if that's you and you would like to do discipleship with him and not without him, would you raise your hand if that's you in this place? Yes, thank you, thank you. That's a lot of us. Thank you. Yeah, you can put your hands down. Thank you, guys. So I'm gonna pray over those things, um, and then I'll invite Pastor Jared up. So, hey Jesus, thank you so much for an amazing morning where we just got to learn about your heartbeat for for discipleship and how you love it and how it's so important. And Lord, I want to pray right now for those people that are feeling like, man, I'm just I'm feeling intimidated by discipleship. Lord, would you encourage them? Would you? Would you just empower them and know that it's not their righteousness, but it's your righteousness through them that will lead others to you? So I want to pray over those friends in that way. I also want to pray over my friends who have been feeling like, I'm kind of feeling unempty right now in my discipleship. I'm kind of feeling tired. It's just arduous. It's, it's, it's difficult. And they're understanding that I think it's because I've been trying to do it on my own strength and not, not on his strength. And for those people, Jesus, would you help them to abide in you, to just pray, to pray and communicate, to just be in the word, just to be devoted to you and for nothing else. Would you encourage those people to do whatever they need to do, shift their schedule around, whatever it is, Lord, to spend time with you and be with you. Pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.